If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. doesn't have to be full-on sentences. You can just put a bullet list together. You can just put word after word after word of anger, of, you know, sadness, regret, grief, confusion, questions. Whatever comes up is what's meant to go on the page and however it comes out, misspelled or not, capitalized or not, you know, messy or not. And that's the same advice, frankly, that I give to every writer that I work with. Welcome to a bonus episode of DNA Surprises. In this episode, I speak with Christine Wolf, a Chicago-based author and writing coach whose focus is on memoir and biography. Her award-winning work is regularly featured in national newspapers, magazines, and on live storytelling stages. Through her compassionate and trauma-informed approach, Wolf empowers writers and non-writers alike to find their authentic voices. In 2018, Christine lost a younger sister suddenly. In 2022, thanks to a home DNA kit, she discovered an older sister they never knew existed. Christine is facilitating a session at the DNA Surprise Retreat. Right to Heal is an empowering, flexible, and compassionate exploration of therapeutic or cathartic journaling as a tool to help document your story and aid true healing. In this episode, we discuss Christine's personal experience with DNA surprises, how writing is a proven healing tool, and why you don't have to be a, quote, good writer to reap its benefits. My conversation with Christine inspired me to get started on my own story. I hope it moves you to do the same. We all have stories to tell. Today, I am joined by Christine Wolf, who is an accomplished writer and writing coach, and she will be facilitating a session at the DNA Surprise Retreat in May. Thanks for joining me, Christine. Thanks for having me, Alexis. It's so nice to be here. We'll just jump right on in. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Writers Haven LLC. And so what we do are kind of three different things. I provide writing coaching and developmental editing for primarily nonfiction writers. So memoir, biographies, autobiographies, nonfiction pieces. 
And, and I absolutely love that, that work. And then we also offer in-person writing space for writers locally in the Chicago area where I live. And then uh, finally, we do a retreat, which is called the Right to Heal Retreat. And this year will be our first year doing it in Carefree, Arizona, and that's in in May. So that's what Writers Haven's all about. But my background is in marketing and education, and I've worked in advertising, and then as a teacher in the classroom. And you know, before I I became an entrepreneur and a writing coach, I I did all these corporate type things and classroom type things. And the things that I love the most from both of those experiences were the people and the stories. And so I sort of channeled my um, energies towards towards those kinds of interactions, just really whittling things down to what I what I personally was drawn to. And so I've been writing professionally now for about 15 years. I started when I was 40 at my kitchen table when my kids were little uh, just blogging. And I say just blogging, but it was it was so meaningful to me. And then the blog turned into a newspaper column for the Chicago Tribune. And um, from there, I started writing books. And most recently, I've just become a coach to help other writers sort of get their um, stories out into the world and to help launch a lot of first-time authors and, and people who are just dabbling in, in writing and trying trying to find their way in the publishing world and navigate all those twists and turns, which is super rewarding. Um, but the thing that I think professionally that I've done that relates most to what you bring to listeners is that I do live storytelling um, through different organizations like The Moth. You go up on stage and you tell stories that you've written live. And one of the stories that I told just a few months ago it actually it, it won an award and it was about a DNA surprise that I personally had had. So yeah. that's sort of how my professional experience ties in a lot with, with what you're doing and what we're all talking about here. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, I know in the DNA Surprise community, so many of us, NPEs, adoptees, donor-conceived people are looking to write their stories and tell their stories um, because... Really, they're all so interesting and all <laughs> so slightly unique. And so we're really excited about this writing component um, with the retreat. And you just touched on the fact that you had your own DNA surprise experience. Can you share some of that with us? Of course. Oh, I'd be happy to. And and I suppose it might be a slightly different perspective than a good number of your listeners, but about a year ago in March of 2022, I opened my 23andMe results. I had actually gotten them five years before that, if you can believe it. And I just really never explored the family tree aspect of it. I figured I, I knew my family tree. I'd looked at a few things and everything checked out. So I didn't really dig too deep. And I was 53 years old last year. And I just, I reopened my um, account and I looked at the family tree and it said that I had a likely half sister. And I was, of course, shocked and I figured it was a mistake and it must be a cousin. It actually turned out that this woman and I and my late sister, who had died four years before, uh, very tragically, uh, we all share a biological father. And so the kind of the shock of all of it was just almost too much to take at first. I went into this tunnel vision of 
what is happening and how did I not know this? And I don't even have my sister, uh, Beth here to talk about this other woman, you know, what is, it just was, it was, it was kind of stunning. And so thankfully the woman whose name is also Elizabeth. So she and, uh, my late sister were both named the same thing and they, they bear just a striking resemblance to each other. All of it was just surreal. Elizabeth and I met uh, about a month after we made the discovery. She was as open as I was to, to meeting, thankfully. And since then, we've slowly built our own relationship of learning about each other, meeting each other's families, exchanging Christmas presents, going on Zoom calls. Uh, we're just finding our way through it. And it's been incredibly positive. Um, you know, I, I think there's always just this part of me that thinks it's not real. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and we ha we've had a few, you know, blips. I mean, it's funny. She never had a sister before this discovery. I always thought I was the oldest sibling. So now she has a sister and I'm now a middle child. <laughs> She's a year and a half older than me. So we've sort of been navigating the adjustment of, of a lot of things and, and identity and, and all that. But we managed to talk things through and send each other periodic texts and things just to stay connected. But, you know, um, it's, we're learning each other's birthdays and things that people just take for granted and assume they know from, you know, their, their family members uh, about their family members. And this is all just so new. Everything just feels new. It's only been a year and sometimes it feels like it's been forever. And, and other times I think it, it's, I can't believe it's, it's just been a year. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how so many of the things that you describe are so similar to what an NPE experiences, that kind of denial. Is this real? The adjusting to a new normal. But it's beautiful that you have been able to establish a relationship with her. You know, I really have learned so much about what, it, I can't imagine what it must be like from her perspective, I try. And I, I have learned quite a bit from her. And these discoveries just, they have the incredible ripple effects. And so I'm getting to see them through her eyes up close. And it's it's been profound. It really has been. Uh, so my heart my heart is just so open to, to this whole community. I mean, I, I really feel like there's such a galvanization of, you know, no matter what your experience is, is with a DNA surprise, there's something very all-encompassing about the fact that we're all going through this together in some way. And it reminds me a little bit of the pandemic in that people have different symptoms and different approaches and different beliefs about how it all is. But at the same time, it really kind of unites us in like, this is this thing that we're all sort of approaching. And it, it's it's been fascinating to be a part of. Yeah. And you shared a bit. So on The Moth, you you told your story and I watched your video. That was one of my first introductions to you was seeing that. <laughs> How did writing about that experience and telling your story help you navigate your DNA surprise? It really helped me to process it. I mean, I had, I had talked to my own own therapist about it for sure. Um, I was grateful to have a therapist to sort of unpack it all as it was happening in real time. But I found Elizabeth 
in March. And it was only April, May, June, three months later that I told that story. And it was, it was like an urge. I mean, I really needed to make sense of how huge it was. It was almost like my body couldn't contain this. It was more than news. You know, it wasn't just, it, it was, uh, just the feelings. They, there were so many. And I just, I found myself scribbling down notes and, and making little comments in my journal. And then finally, I, I just thought, I'm going to get up and tell this story. And not in a way that exposes really specific details about our own stories or our family stories, but just my personal experience of what it was like to have lost a sister named Elizabeth and then to have found a sister named Elizabeth. And I I knew that was just, you know, kind of a, it was a compelling story to tell. But in the process of, of taking it sort of out of my, uh, my body, <laughs> so to speak, and putting it on a page and reframing it and putting it into language rather than just emotions, it gave me a sense of control and agency over this um, somewhat out of control mix of emotions that I was feeling. And so then when I shared it on stage, it was like a release. It really felt very cathartic. And, and I, of course, was approached by a handful of people in the audience afterwards who said that they had relatives who'd gone through the same thing, or friends or knew of a neighbor. And, you know, it just then became less and less surreal for me and more of a an actual experience I was going through because it just, it was still feeling like a dream at that point. So um, writing just sort of helped ground me in reality. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that kind of making it real, that mm -hmm. making it real. I know for me personally, I, I don't, I'm starting up a blog, but I haven't really, you know, gotten into it too much. But writing on social media, you know, using my captions to just like explain how I'm feeling and almost using it as a short form journal was was super helpful. So I totally understand what you're saying there as far as yeah, making it real and then connecting with other people as a result of that. Both of those, the, the yeah. benefits are there, the dual benefits of that. I agree. And you're what you do write on social media really does capture um, so much of the essence and the just the variations of feelings. And it's such a dynamic thing. You can feel on top of the world about, you know, finding out the truth on one day, and then your heart can just sink about the missed opportunities and the, you know, the frustration and the anger and, and the mix. It's just such a jumbled mix sometimes. So yeah, I think writing can somehow very often give us a sense of structure and and reframing a lot of those out of control feelings, which is great. So your session at the DNA Surprise Retreat is called Right to Heal. And that's also <laughs> the, the name of your retreat, Right to Heal. <laughs> um, so for anyone who's interested in doing even a deeper dive into writing, definitely check out um, Christine's retreat. It looks amazing. And it's also going to be in sunny Arizona. So... Beautiful weather. Right. I'm in Chicago, so I, I'm counting the days. I think it's something like 68 days until my retreat and even sooner for yours. So I'm <laughs> yes. so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in our kind of uh, summary of what your session is about, we're, we're talking about this therapeutic or expressive writing. And when I hear that, I 
I wondered to myself, you know, what does that mean? Is it this long form writing? Is it a poem? Is it a, a diary? Is it is it a full memoir? What mm-hmm. does that actually look like for participants? Oh, I'd be happy to break it down a little bit because I know it's, it can sort of, and especially if there are ever uh, times where people are asked to write you can feel angst rising at times, even, even as a professional writer, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll think, oh, what do I need to write and what are they expecting? But here's the great thing about all of this. So therapeutic writing is think of therapeutic writing as any kind of writing that you do that helps you, um, work through emotions. That's what that is. And you can also think about writing therapy as a form of therapeutic writing. Uh, Writing therapy tends to be more of working with a clinician who walks with you through something that you've written or pieces that you've written about an event or feelings or circumstances. And, you know, you really break it down with a psychologist or, you know, your counselor, a therapist. And I am not a counselor. I am you know, I'm an author, I'm a public speaker, uh, I'm a writing coach. And what I, what I do can sometimes seem a little bit like playing a therapist on Zoom with my memoir coaching clients, for instance, because I'm listening to their personal stories and I'm, I'm holding space for their oftentimes really deep, jarring, unresolved emotions. You know, a lot of times people go to the page and they go to write because they want to work out feelings and process things. And that's sort of a way that they'll do that. And so what expressive writing in particular is, is writing that is focusing on emotional upheaval, which is not easy uh, for Mm -hmm. sure. But here's the thing, the benefits of doing it are there's evidence and hundreds and hundreds of research studies that were initially launched by somebody named um, Dr. James Pennebaker in He's out of Texas at um, University of Texas in Austin. He developed the concept of expressive writing in that if you will just write for 20 minutes a day or thereabouts for four, three or four days in a row about something that caused significant upheaval in your life, whether it was a traumatic experience, whether it was a major conflict, something that caused you pain or deep uncertainty or something that really was just difficult. If you can commit to writing for 20 minutes a day for three or four days about that and not worry about grammar, not worry about punctuation, not worry about anybody else reading it. And if you focus on that same event or set of events, what you'll find are two huge things. Number one, yes, it'll be, it'll be difficult. You'll have a rise of discomfort, you know, in revisiting those emotions and the focus is on the emotions rather than everything else. But then after that, within an hour or two after you write it, that discomfort tends to dissipate. And that's really important. It's almost like allowing a release valve. And then the second fantastic thing that happens is there's evidence that proves that when we write about these difficult things, and don't hold them in, whether it's a painful experience, whether it's a secret. There are uh, proven benefits for our health, for our physical health, emotional health, relational health. I mean, think about this. If you're holding in a secret that is just burning up inside of you, and you're working so hard to keep that secret and manage it and tend to it, 
you're draining your energy that could be going to focusing on self-care or your children or your job or your partner or your dog. You know, I mean, it's, it's so almost, it's like an undercurrent that when we hold these things, uh, it can really drain our emotional batteries and our emotional well-being. So to give yourself this permission to write it down. And again, writing down a secret for yourself isn't violating somebody's, you know, necessary privacy and understandable privacy, but it gives you a way to shift it out of yourself and take that burden off of you. And in the process of doing that, you can find meaning in, you know, why did somebody ask me to hold the secret for them? Or why did somebody tell me I can't talk about this? Or why, why, why did that person do this harm to me? You know, whatever the, the emotional upheaval is, it gives you a chance to really ask those questions and put an answer. And the answer might be different the next day, but that's why you try to do it over the series of a couple of days to sort of let yourself look at it from a different perspective. And I'll just add that it's really helpful when you do expressive writing for this you know, I call them little writing sprints. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes somebody will start off with writing about a difficult experience and just they'll pour it out of themselves for 20 minutes, put it away. And then the next day they'll come back and they might write about it as if they're writing from the perspective of, we call it third person, you know, as if you're writing from somebody else's vantage point rather than first person, rather than Mm -hmm. your own perspective. And when you do that, it sort of changes your brain chemistry to to think about the whole the same situation but from a new angle and you might offer advice in your writing from somebody else's perspective on your circumstances that you never would have considered before so it's all about giving yourself this opportunity to just look at what you've been like keeping inside you know in a whole different light and it's it's very freeing and it's also proven to be uh, very good for you. So that's what expressive writing all all encompasses. That's such a good overview. Thank you for breaking that down. I think that that's key is just, it's, it's for you. It's not for anyone else. It's just for you to work through things. On that note, what if someone feels like they're not a quote unquote good writer and they feel like, you know, I'm not good at writing. That's not Uh my strong suit. Like you kind of covered it because you are writing without care for grammar and things like that. But what advice do you have for someone who maybe just doesn't feel sure of themselves in in their writing ability? Of course. And I'm so glad you asked that because I hope to dispel a few myths here. Okay. And, And I'm saying this as a professional writer and I've been writing since somebody handed me a, a journal with a little gold lock and a key when I was seven years old. And and that's sort of where my writing started. But think about that seven-year-old that I was back then, just so excited to just write what I had for lunch that day and that and and have a record of it and close the journal and lock it. That was writing. And it didn't have to be my my cursive didn't have to be perfect. And I certainly didn't know all of the writing rules, right? But the value of being able to look back on that from my now 55 years and see those words that I wrote that were very just rudimentary and you know this is the tuna sandwich that I had it it shows me the development that I've made in the years since so that's number 1 it's it, wherever you're at in your writing 
confidence and skill level doesn't matter. It's just writing is important if if you want to go that route. But you just really don't have to be any anything but yourself when you're doing expressive writing. That's the whole point of it. So many times I'll have a first time client who'll say, "Well, I'm not a real writer. You know, I've dabbled and I've I've always you know thought about being a writer, but I'm I'm really not that good." And I I will often say. I don't judge and and nobody I hope will judge themselves when they're drafting. You know, mm-hmm. you're just getting your story out and then you shape it later through editing, through working with somebody, you know, through all the things later. But when you're just putting something down in a journal in a you know in a draft of something if you if you want to go that far that you might want to share it with somebody, go easy on yourself because I every day as you know, somebody who writes for a living, I have to remind myself to go easy on mm-hmm. on, on myself. That, that negative and, uh, you know, very critical, judgmental self-talk is in all of us. And so um, worry not about not doing it right. But you'll you'll get better and better if you want to by continuing to just scribble and scribble more and scribble more and then find your voice because that's what ultimately happens the more you do it is you figure out what your voice is and when people talk about voice in writing it's like well what what actually is voice voice the the better way to describe it is it's your style so you know if if you're somebody who just tends to write in short clippy sentences uh that's your style if if you're more of a flowery sort of, you know, expository writer, then you go on and on and on with a lot of detail. That's your style. There's no one right or wrong style. But once you feel confident in your style, and then it becomes almost muscle memory, then then you're on to something where you'll start to feel more and more confident. Like, yep, there I am. This is my comfort zone. And this is where I'm feeling like it's just pouring out of me. If it's feeling like you're pulling teeth, putting stuff on the page, step away from it, just walk away from it and go get a cup of coffee and, you know, come back to it a couple of days later, you know, don't, don't force it. Just let it come out as it's supposed to. You'll know. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I just love this idea of it being for you and, and it's okay. And it should be your voice and it should be your style and whatever Always. that is, you know, you don't have to try to be anyone else. Yeah. What can people expect to learn from you at the retreat? Absolutely. You know, I think the, the nice thing is at the, there are so many wonderful facilitators and you and Debbie have planned just, I, I'm so looking forward to it from, from both an attendee standpoint and also a, a facilitator standpoint. What attendees are going to find is um, I'll sort of introduce myself at the very beginning and hand them journals. And these are not kind of like the, the black and white composition notebooks that we had in school. These are handmade paper and handbound journals that actually my daughter who lives in Brooklyn, she is a paper maker and a bookmaker. And she's created these just gorgeous handmade little notebooks for everybody. She takes found items, just like we're taking um, little bits and pieces of our own lives and our memories and our emotions and experiences and deconstructing them and then reforming them. And that's what she does with these journals. She takes little little bits and pieces of found items like, you know, I don't know, um, 
think about any little thing that you you pick up along the way in life, you know, whether it's uh, a scrap of paper or, um, you know, the edge of a wrapper or something like that. And she'll just take these and it means nothing to somebody else, but she finds meaning in a photograph that she finds in an antique store and she'll rip off part of it and put it into the book so that there's there's almost this energy of breaking things down and then putting them back together. And that's what these journals sort of represent. And that's what we are ultimately doing when we write in them is we are breaking down all of these different parts that just feel messy in our lives. And we're kind of putting them into one container and um, and really kind of seeing in front of us in black and white, wow, I'm really dealing with this. And you can actually close that journal and not have to think about it for a little bit rather than carry it with you all the time. I love that. I mean, I think it's such a beautiful metaphor for what what our experiences are. So I love that you're bringing that to the retreat. Like, I just think it's so amazing. I think so too. I'm so happy that there's a physical embodiment that represents what these feelings that we're having because they can feel so overwhelming sometimes. So to be able to do something with them that's tangible uh, gives us also a little sense of empowerment, I think. And I'm going to hand them to the attendees with the explicit direction of spending 20 minutes a day um, when we're together, a little less if necessary, you know, if it just gets too much, and just write about what's rising. And it may be about the DNA experience that they've had. It may be something entirely different, and that's fine too. But you know, whatever kind of comes up for those short writing sprints, put them into these journals. And then we're going to talk during the the workshop itself about a lot of the, the benefits of expressive writing and how you can incorporate it into, you know, your, I don't necessarily mean a prescriptive day-to-day necessarily kind of a thing, but you can incorporate expressive writing into your everyday existence if you want, and to really kind of figure out what how it's helping you almost track the improvements that happen the transformation that happens as a result of expressive writing is is noticeable very soon you know i i really think that the workshop will will focus on um giving ourselves permission to just let it out in a way that that feels safe and not everybody wants to write and that's fine. This isn't some sort of a thing where it's a mandate. So some people would prefer to create art and some people would prefer to do, you know, physical activity, taking a walk. And that's sort of their time to really spend the the sprint, so to speak, of, of diving into the feelings and really kind of sitting with them briefly, whatever mode or medium you want to use to spend time to do that. That's, that's what I would just encourage is give yourself permission over the course of three or four days to just really immerse yourself for a brief period of time in something that feels really tough and raw and see what happens, you know, and if it doesn't feel right, or if you feel so overwhelmed or flooded, um, then stop. That's the beauty of this. You don't have to force it. You don't have to do anything, but I think when you do, um, if you can, when you can, it it's beyond um, my description, really, of of how it can really change your outlook on 
some of the stuff that is just so intense. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm excited to participate in this activity. I think it's going to be so amazing. Like I said, I, I enjoy writing, but I really, I've never really done it in this kind of format. So I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking to me about therapeutic writing, expressive writing, and how that ties into DNA surprises. If anyone is interested in learning more about working with you, maybe one-on-one as a coach or, um, attending your retreat or just finding any more information about you, where can they find you? Oh, sure. Thank you so much, Alexis. Uh, You can go to my website. It's christinewolf.com or to check out the retreats specifically, it's righttoheelretreats.com. And everything, you know, anytime you have questions, I I talk to people all the time and I do free 20-minute sessions just to see Uh, If I can answer questions right off the bat for for people, if they just want to figure out if working with a coach is something they'd want to pursue. So I'm happy to talk to anybody who reaches out. Awesome. Well, I will see you in May in Arizona. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Alexis. Thanks again to Christine for joining me. If you'd like to join us for her Right to Heal session, Reserve your space at the DNA Surprise Retreat, May 4th through the 7th in Tucson, Arizona. Until next time.